When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Well, this is new, isn't it? Tonight, Forest have won on penalties against Sheffield United and are in the playoff final. Welcome to the 1865 Match Report. The 1865 Match Report. Well, it was a very, very tense, nervous night at the city ground. It was started off sunny. It poured down with rain. We had everything in between. My feet ache, my throat sore, my head hurts. Uh, Baz, how was it for you? Um, I was I was d- determined to be uh, confident and not tense today. And... Um, we threw that away within one five minutes of the game starting. Okay, yeah. So uh, the the basics that you need to know are that Forest had an unchanged eighteen in tonight's lineup. So the teams were as you were. Sheffield United did make a couple of changes uh, in the fullback positions, uh, so they you know changed it up, and that did make a difference because. Um, George Baldock on the right-hand side in particular uh, caused problems for Forrest in the, tonight's match. Now, let's. there's a lot to talk about, so let's go through what we can as we can do it. Um, you mentioned that within five minutes, things were looking a bit, uh, a bit hairy. Well, I mean, I, fair play to Sheffield United, and I'm going to have to say this again and again and again. What they did is what Luton did to us um, and basically what Bournemouth did to us in the second half of game against them, which is they stopped us playing. Um, and basically every time we got the ball, we ended up playing it long because we didn't have any any options or any control over it. It was We were just being harried and pressed so much that we couldn't do anything with the ball. And it was all them. It was all their energy, all their pressing, all their closing down. And they 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 were the team that were, that were in, the, in this game, not us. Yeah, and they could have took the lead after, well in the first sort of fifteen minutes because there was a lovely, um, basically, the thing that is going to be a constant theme is that Morgan Gibbs White, who I think is one of the best players in the championship, and Illiman and Jai uh, were playing up front for Sheffield United. They're not natural strikers, but they were complete thorns in in Forest's side, 
for, for huge amounts of the match. And Gibbs White found Indai unmarked in the middle and Samba stood up to yeah. it. He stood up and he blocked it. And that should have been a warning sign to Forrest. Um, it's also worth saying that, you know, Sheffield United have got a striker crisis. Um, I hate to say it, Billy Sharp would have buried it, wouldn't he? <laughs> yes, absolutely. That's, that's, yeah, that's the thing is, yeah, Samba did really, really well. But yeah, uh, Billy Sharp, um, who we're going to have to mention later on, obviously. Um, yeah, he would have buried that. But completely against the run of play, <laughs> uh, just a few minutes later, Forrest made the Blades pay for it. So it was a little bit of playing around at the back when Forrest were trying to do that. They weren't always successful, but this time it was actually quite a classic Forrest under Cooper type of goal, wasn't yeah. it? Because there's a ball down the channels from McKenna through to Sam Surridge, who got past his man. He got past his man and he somehow managed to hook in the cross. And it was almost, it, I don't think he even looked where he was crossing it. He just looked, I've got to get it in the centre. But Brennan Johnson was running in and it was just, it was a fantastic finish because he, he hit it first time. He was sort of laying back. So the fact that he didn't sky it was even better. And foddering them up, no chance, no chance at all. And worth pointing out, you know, it was a greasy pitch. We'd had a downpour beforehand and it it would have been easy for him to end up on his arse with the ball flying over into the uh, into the into the stands. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, delightful, wasn't it? A delightful moment to uh, to to get a relatively early goal. And also worth noting, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you'll probably realise this already. Brennan Johnson emulating his dad by scoring in both legs of the playoffs yeah. against Sheffield United. Um, so a little curio there. And I think it's fair to say that actually that did rattle Sheffield United well, a little bit. So yeah, so like it was kind of getting to the point where we were starting to lose the tension that Sheffield United put on us, and you could see that it was getting to Sheffield United. In particular, um, Paul Heckingbottom chucking the ball really hard at Jed Spence for a throw-in, which resulted in a bit of a brawl and him getting a yellow card from the referee. Yeah, so a couple of things to say there. Firstly, it was clearly unacceptable by Heckingbottom. He knew what he was doing. Yeah. It was it was with intent. Um, secondly, um, <laughs> the bloke next to me, um, the same one who we've mentioned in many match reports, he did say... Um, a little bit later, like the funniest thing was Brennan Johnson, like running in to try and, you know, start something. <laughs> and I said, well, it'd been raining. So it's about a stone heavier than normal, isn't he? Um, and of course, it, it created what is a great spectacle if you're a neutral, <laughs> which is a great big brawl. Um, yes. and, it, and it took a long time for that to calm down. Um, um, also, I, there, was a, there was an incident a bit later on where Ndai, I think it was, he basically, he was just lashing out at... Um, Mm-hmm. Our players when when um, we when they would get when he had the ball, and it was like they were losing their heads. And if it, anything was going to sort of calm our nerves, it was if we can get another goal here where they're losing it. Then that would put that would put this tie completely out of reach. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, but let's just go back to Heckingbottom because do you think he was lucky to escape with a yellow card? Yes, I think that the the the, the way he did it. It wasn't like, uh, like um, it was. It was a deliberate thing, and and actually, I suppose this comes back to later on as well. Uh, as the manager, you're supposed to set an example for everyone else. Well, yes, okay. Um, less, we're not. This isn't. 
Let's talk about the referee, but yeah. I'm going to I'm going to contextualise it because after about 15 minutes, you turned to me and said, this is going to be a referee game, isn't it? <laughs> and actually, for all that there was lots of wailing and gnashing of teeth around us in the stands, this was yet another case of a referee, Premier League referee, actually letting a lot of things go and being very lenient. Yes. And actually, I, I look at now, I know what I said then, but at, by the end of the game, I thought actually he'd had a really good game. Yeah, what's important is always is the referee being consistent. Yeah, and and I think he was. Yeah, he was. And the other thing with the Heckingbottom incident, uh, my speculation, uh, which we discussed at the time, was if he'd sent off the away manager in a playoff semi-final, then it becomes about the referee, or it gives people an excuse to make it about the yeah. referee. And I think actually, um, Premier League referees, one of the things that they're trained to do is to basically make sure that people aren't going to make it about the referee. It's going to be um, something where it's going to be about the match and, and the football and, yeah. and, and so on. So uh, you, you can argue that the cows come home. I know there's loads of people who were sat in the stands around me who really wouldn't. But And I've just looked and I didn't realise is Michael Oliver, who is a very highly regarded Premier League mm. referee, one of, the F, uh, one of the FA's elite refs. Yeah, and as I say, I, by the end of it, I thought actually he'd, he'd had a really good game. He was consistent throughout. He was letting lots of stuff that I would have called a foul, but he was apply, He was letting it go for both sides. So, yeah, I've, I've no complaints about him. Um, Although I do think Heckingbottom was lucky to get away with that. Yeah, uh, I also would say that I don't extend that same courtesy to the linesman who was running in front of the uh, Brian Clough stand, <laughs> who who I think had what appeared to me to be quite a liberal interpretation of the offside law. And and as you said, there's that moment with Ndai yeah. where the, my concern was that Ndai had lost his head and was out of control. And that's when people can get hurt. And I'm surprised that the officials didn't clamp down on that a little bit more. But it meant that we went in at half time a goal up and then the second half started in the way that we feared didn't yeah. it because the blades came at us straight away didn't they well actually yeah so there's one thing to, uh, one other thing about the hecking bottom incident so it prompted a chant of um you're just a rubbish neil warnock mm -hmm. um and the way the blades started the second half i can imagine that hecking bottoms half-time team talk was well they're saying we're a rubbish wheel neil warnock side let's show them what a real neil warnock side looks like and they just battered us completely from the off mm -hmm. and scored what two minutes in yeah something like that yeah pretty much um one thing that's worth noting is that um after saturday's match heckingbottom was saying oh well the uh the Forest fans, they'll be nervy and edgy, and the fans weren't there. No. I mean, the Mull of Kintyre at the start of the match was probably the loudest I've ever heard at the city grounds. I think there's absolutely no way that, that the only time we got nervy and edgy was probably about 80 minutes on, 80 to 90 minutes. That, that, that was the point when we were nervy. But the rest of it, there's no way anyone could say we were anything other than 100% behind that team, urging them on. Um, to carry on through this this game proper chanting proper singing all the way through it was a fantastic atmosphere although yes we got behind them i will also say you know what actually we were edgy um especially uh when we got onto i think 75 minutes when sheffield united did take the lead and it was, it was a really 
uh, to me, it felt like a messy goal to concede. What about you? Yeah, uh, I mean, one of the things like you, you mentioned earlier about Ndai and um, uh, the Gibbs White. Gibbs White, how they were tormenting our defenders. And you, you made the comparison during the game. It's what uh, John Owen Surridge were doing to them mm-hmm. in the earlier game. Um, I thought Worrell in particular was really struggling with them and he was making a lot of not mistakes, but he wasn't up to his usual standard with it. He was he was rushing stuff and misplacing his passes or getting his timing just a little bit off. And it was one of those like little bits of timing being off that opened things up for as it bowled up to, yeah. to run on through. So he ran through and then somehow managed to pick out Gibbs White in the centre and both their goals, we had a crowded penalty box. It wasn't like they broke through and got in behind us. There were enough defenders in there to do the job, but we weren't in the right positions. We were just slightly off. Mm. We got caught out. Yeah. And I mean, obviously, when John Fleck scored the second goal with 15 minutes to go, uh, then it goes without saying the match could swing either way mm. at that point. It's basically next goal wins. Um you mentioned 80 minutes uh, as, a, as a kind of staging point. I think one of the things that sticks in my mind is that 80 minutes was also the moment where actually Sheffield United ran out of legs. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, I mean, that's one of the things that, so the way they played was was all action. It required lots and lots and lots of energy. So obviously having played just a couple of days before, and then, yeah, having their their injury crisis. I, I mean, I was, I was saying later on, is it like, have they really not made any substitutions yet? Are they going to just do three to try and blitz us energy-wise or something? But, yeah, they started to slow down a little bit and we finally started to be able to... I mean, this is up to 80 minutes or whatever. We hadn't really strung two or three passes together. Mm. Uh, we we just couldn't do it. We We just ended up hoofing it because we had no other options. And then finally we started being able to just get a little bit of control of the ball. And that's something that was reminiscent of the second half at Bournemouth, isn't it? Whereby it was a consistent theme throughout the game, whereby we ended up just, the defenders would end up having to play it long because the the short options had been shut down. Um, Blades were using the width of the pitch really well. And and those runs into the channels. I mean, the other thing is, is that um, as much as I like Sam Surridge, as much as I like Brennan Johnson, neither of them have the ability to hold up the ball. So those subs that Forrest made um, in the second half were really crucial. The first one of those was uh, Joe Lolly coming on the Zinkenogel, and that was on 70 minutes. And uh, we'd been saying, and everyone around us had been saying for about 10 minutes, Zinkenogel's done. He's, yeah. he's, he's, he's gone. He's, he's had it. In the first half, so I'd been saying in the first half that one of the things with Zinkenogel over the course of the season is he's improved physically. Mm-hmm. He, he used to be a sort of, uh, a sort of creative type who would sit in the hole but now he tracks back he puts tackles in and he doesn't get shoved off the ball very easily mm. but by that by yeah by even like 50 minutes into the game he was done he he didn't have the energy and and the muscle of Sheffield United had had the better of him yeah and obviously we know that he's been carrying whatever the injury is we don't really know what the injury is but but he's been subbed off a lot and we've been told that he's he's not he's not fully fit and tonight he didn't look fully fit he didn't look at the races apart from one or two moments so he wasn't having the impact that that we would have hoped and and lolly coming on did actually add a different dimension 
but the other sub came just five minutes later and it's the one that we expected which was Sam Surridge coming off the Keenan Davis and that's definitely had an impact as well. Yeah I'll, I'll just say as well I'm sure Sam Surridge is going to wake up tomorrow morning covered in bruises because he, he did he was in a proper battle is just he doesn't have the physical presence of Davis and Davis obviously not fit enough to play 90 minutes but but at the time he was on, he looked back to to what he what he, we know he can do. And and Sheffield United just didn't know what to do when he yeah. got the ball. And there were, I mean, over the what sort of uh, forty five minutes that he played, there were I think at least three or four of his slaloming runs where he just ran through people. Yeah, they they just couldn't stop him. He basically ran the entire length of the pitch. Yeah, just him on his own going through their defenders. It was it was quite incredible. Yeah, definitely. Now, that 80-minute mark is crucial because Forrest did create some half chances. Now, it's important to say that they didn't really force Wes Fodringham into any saves, but Lolly coming on added a bit of forward impetus. Keenan added a bit of physical presence against a tiring Sheffield United team. And there was a moment of excitement where uh, Jimmy Garner had not been in the match at all. Mm. I don't think. I think it's one of one of the worst matches I've seen him have this season. Um, I don't know if his legs have gone again. Who knows? But he just wasn't quite there. But Forrest had pressed forward. Um, Yates had come into the game more as it had gone on, and and then the ball came out to Jimmy Garner, twenty yards out. He shaped. He made his shot. It deflected just wide. That could have been a glorious yeah. ending to the match, couldn't it? <laughs> Especially, yeah, especially with us, with our, our late goals earlier in the season, it was like, yeah, that's that's how you want to end this kind of match. But it wasn't to be. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest Podcast. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We move on to extra time. Now, I'm just going to say it out now, out loud. I didn't want this much to go to extra time. <laughs> no. Um, and the other thing that I will say is that obviously players were tired and extra time, as you'd expect at the end of a long, hard season, you could tell the players were tired. I also felt that both sets of fans were knackered. I know, <laughs> I know that I am. <laughs> but um, what I will say is, if anything, again, because Sheffield United were knackered, it played into our hands. We got to pass the ball about we got to like just get make them run for it and they didn't have the energy left to press us so if anything it was it was on ours it, the, the the advantage was with us yes but our exhausted players couldn't take advantage of that either yeah and um some some of the threat came so so jed spence made a run he crossed in and brennan johnson had a volley but it was not quite the right angle or height for him. So when he did connect with it, it was a straightforward catch for, for Fodringham. There's no problem there. Lolly probably had what I think were the most notable three-quarter chances, I'll call them. Uh, so there's one with his left foot and one with his right foot. The left foot one was blocked. The right foot one um, 
was just screwed wide and he cut in and did one of his lolly specials which was like most of his lolly specials screwed wide yeah. um but again though that and yeah it wasn't as you say there were three quarter half chances kind of thing the sort of thing where if you if you're a Sheffield United fan and you look back at the match stats you'll go how did they get that many shots because mm. there, there was nothing and, and that's, I guess that's what XG's for our XG would have been pretty low compared to theirs because they, they were all pretty tame it was just we, we it took until the hundredth minute for us to be able to actually get get hold of the ball and, and do something with it yeah I mean talking about stats so but um, for Forest, 13 total shots uh, and for Sheffield United, 20. Uh, four on target for Forest, six on target for Sheffield United. Um, and one of those efforts on target was in the 115th minute. And it was another one of those scrambles that Sheffield United mm-hmm. managed. And I don't quite know how it how it happened, but Brees Samba made what looked like a phenomenal save with his legs yes um, uh, it was one of those where yeah yeah the keeper just sort of makes a starfish shape and so somehow the ball goes out it was and then to to top it uh davis took, takes the ball up the other end and makes a half chance up there as well so but it was absolutely incredible from well i, I was convinced it, it was going in and samba managed to keep it out yeah it, he did crucially and and that man in die um i think that for 80 minutes, I was just looking at him and going, this is his first season of senior football at this level, and and he's having the match of his life. And although he dropped off after about 80 minutes, just the energy levels and everything, he had the chance to seal it there, didn't he? Yeah. Um, and and he didn't. And so there we go. It's a penalty shootout. Now, have you ever been at a match live where there's a penalty no, shootout? No, because I was thinking this is my first ever live penalty shootout. Now, I have been at a penalty shootout at City Ground and it was in the League Cup against, I don't even remember, it might have been Stockport back in 2001. And one of the things that surprised me is that the uh, the spot kicks were taken in front of the Bridgeford end, whereas last time I was there, they took, took in front of the Trent end. And um, how did you feel? <laughs> well... T- so in my head, I was like, right, we've lost. That's it. Mm-hmm. There's no point even thinking about it. We've lost. Samba will try hard. We'll try hard. We'll miss a couple. They'll get, and then finally on the fifth one, they'll, we'll miss, they'll get it. And it's all over. And that's how I kind of dealt with it. And then, of course, uh, Samba saves the first one and all that self-control goes out the window and the anxiety takes over and I couldn't even, I had my hood up and I couldn't even watch for half of it. Mm. So let's talk about the spot kicks. Ollie Norwood, player who mm-hmm. scored quite a few spot kicks, um, experienced player, experienced midfielder. Crucially, he had to wait quite a long time. He stood yeah. over the penalty spot with the ball and the referee gave the keepers their briefings and Samba naturally Samba took walked, his time. He walks past him while while he's putting the while he's never got the ball on the spot, walks past him, looks like he said something to him, and then just casually strolls over to one of the posts and sort of leans against it, and then goes into the centre of the goal. So he's just stretching it out that little bit longer. Yeah, yeah, and it's a classic keeper's penalty taking, penalty yeah. receiving psychological technique. And you know what? It worked because I say Norwood's taken some. I've seen him take some penalties before, and. It wasn't one of his best. Was it, it wasn't. It wasn't a good penalty. Um, 
someone texted me afterwards who'd been watching and said Sambo was well off his line and it should have been retaken, but who cares? <laughs> it set the well, tone for the whole thing there. Okay, so step forward, Forrest's um, for in-form player. Brennan had barely had a kick for about 60 minutes of the match, yeah. and um, but he was the one who stu stood up and took the first penalty. Um, he is the designated penalty taker um, since Graben's been out. Uh, was it ever in any doubt in your mind? No, actually, to be, to be fair, no. Okay, so then we moved on to uh, Connor Hurraham, player again, who's taken a lot of penalties for Barnsley, very, for Aston Villa, for Swansea, for yeah, for Sheffield United, um, and and this penalty he decided to try and go up the middle. <laughs> But Samba read it. He stood up. He yeah. just he just didn't move. Yeah, and yeah, it sort of hit his hit Samba's arm. I he think. stuck his arm out in fairness. Yeah, right. I, I, I can't be as in I say, my mind. Yeah. But what I did, what I do remember is it hit his it hit his arm. However, and then went off the underside of the crossbar. Now I thought it had bounced in, but it bounced out. So I was like, oh god! And then everyone else was leaping around me. Yeah, so uh, so we have saved two, and then Kafu, who came on in the 118th minute yep. for Jimmy Garner. Well, and I, 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 I can remember saying, uh, do you think Jimmy Garner doesn't like penalties? Then? Mm. Well, it's possible. For someone who's taken so many set pieces, yep. it's also possible his legs had seized up because he was, he was cramping up a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Kafu, I knew... What he, I didn't know he was going to score, but I knew it was going to do, which is I'm going to hit it as hard as I can. <laughs> and it worked. Yep. Uh, so, yeah. And then that's just um, almost out of sight. And that's 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 when the penalties go really because you know in the back of your head, we're going to screw it up now. We're going to screw it up now. Well, quite. So let's uh, move on. So the next penalty... Um, was taken by, I think, oh, you know what, I'm, I'm struggling to remember. I think it might have been in dry. No, it wasn't. It was Sanderberger. Sanderberger took it and uh, Samba tried something different. He tried to do the Bruce Grobelard jelly yeah, yeah. It didn't work. No. It didn't work. And it was, it was, a, it was a well-confidently taken penalty. Samba was nowhere near it. And all of a sudden, it's it's 2-1. So we need to score the next one. And... um. The next one was taken for Forrest by Steve Cook. Now, I predicted that he would put himself forward for a penalty. I think he was, for a little while, he was actually born as a designated penalty taker. And so I was confident on this one. <laughs> and he, he went for a similar approach, actually, to, to the two previous players, yeah. which was get some power on it. Like Cafu, he went down the middle, uh, more or less down the middle, but he had a little bit more elevation on it. Um, and he loved it, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So it's 3-1, uh, no, yes, 3-1, yep. and so we needed something to happen next. I think, yeah, so if we get the next one and they miss, then that's it. Is that where we're at? Yeah. So, yeah, so it's three penalties each, and then um, who scored for Sheffield United? Um you see, it, right, I should explain to you, listener, that we have literally come home from the match yeah. and we've not picked up on on, on anything else. Um, so Sheffield United 
got their second penalty. <laughs> and I don't remember. This one might have been in dry. I don't know. Um, but we move on to Joe Lolly, yep. who's taken penalties, taken decent penalties in the past. And he proceeded to then take the worst penalty <laughs> I've ever seen at the city ground. Yeah, proper, proper skied it. Yeah, I and mean, this is where the, the tension is, because you know that we're going to make life difficult for ourselves. Yeah. And and actually, I also thought it's one of those things, isn't it, whereby Lolly has been such a good servant to the club. He was so important for Forrest for a couple of seasons. He played his way back into contention to be an important part of this squad. And you just thought there's a bit of you thinking, oh, God, it's a script written. It's going to be it's going to be down to him and, and that miss. So then the tables were turned mm. because Morgan Gibbs White, who once again, I think is one of the best players in the championship, has certainly been Sheffield United's best player um, tonight. And and every match I've seen, mm. including all the matches against us. And number saves it. <laughs> and and. I mean, I, I, again, the, the person who texted me said it was a great save. I really can't remember it. No, the, the details are sketchy other than um, I was a bit concerned because even, I think even before Samba saved it, there were probably people on the pitch mm. and there's a massive pitch invasion. And um, yeah, and so I remember saying to you, like, I hope the players managed to get off okay. <laughs> so this is where we do need to have a complete change of tack just for a few minutes because on the way home we heard a report about something that's happened in that pitch invasion yep. and right this as much as anything right obviously this is horrible so billy sharp got attacked during the pitch invasion someone ran up to him and headbutted him as the pitch invasion was happening and obviously it's completely unacceptable and it's terrible for Billy Sharp and it's terrible for players in general because they need to feel safe on the pitch. It's, it's their workplace. But it also means we're not talking about the achievement we did today and it's it's changed the story completely. And yet it's... And and also, I mean, the pitch, we, we didn't go on the pitch. We're two, 11 rows back or something. Yeah. So it would have been a bit of a pain. It's doable, but it would have been a pain to mm -hmm. get onto the pitch. But when everyone went onto the pitch and there were flares going off, and I know the flares were annoying, but it looked amazing and everyone was dancing and singing and, and, and it was like a giant party on the pitch. And then for this to happen, that ruins it. And it, it ruins the party and it ruins the celebrations and it ruins the achievement of the game. And some idiot who's going to apparently it's, it's on t on it's being filmed, so he's going to get caught. He's going to end up getting done for assault, probably end up in prison, ruined his track record, and he spoiled it for everyone. It's, and we shouldn't even have to be talking about it. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, we are going to because tonight is very much a stream of consciousness <laughs> um, match report. We are going to record a more considered um, podcast over the next uh, at the weekend, and I'm sure that we will be coming back to this subject. Now, what I would like to do is return to the celebratory nature, because, like you said, there were fans on the pitch. There were smoke bombs going off. There were loads of people dancing. It, it, it looked like you say, it looked amazing because there are people dancing on the pitch, there are people dancing in the stands. I personally would rather not have had a pitch invasion because for me, I would rather 
have been able to celebrate straight away with the players and how Stevie Cooper going around doing fist pumps. Um, and let's just say that by the time that the pitch was cleared, by the time that Steve Cooper came around, did a lap of honour and did his fist pumps, and then the players did a lap of honour, and we left the ground, the match had been over for an hour. <laughs> yeah. That's how long it took. And the other thing to note is, yeah, the people who were on the pitch won't have seen the players and won't have seen Steve Cooper because they got cleared off by the stewards and the police out of the ground. So, I mean, you take your choice there, I guess. Um, obviously, technically, it's illegal to invade the pitch, but I can understand why people do it. It was a great big party, but yeah, it was good to see Steve Cooper come out, do his fist pumps and see the... Um, see the players afterwards. Um, in note for Jed Spence as well, who obviously probably the very last time we're going to see him, at least at the city ground. And um, he came and sat in the centre circle and had his photo taken a few times as well. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to give a, a particular mention to Kafu, who came on for a minute, took a pedal and celebrated like he won the <laughs> World Cup. So, uh, so uh, yeah, fair play to you, Kafu. Um, Let's hear what the managers had to say. Um, Paul Heckingbottom, I'm going to start with him. He said that the overriding feeling is one of pride. The performance today epitomises all the work we've put in. I think the fans will be proud. We didn't want to go out with a whimper. Um, and fair play to him. He said this big congratulations to Steve and Forrest. Um, so fair play to him. He, he did a good job yeah. of getting his team to, to try and play in a way that would stifle Forrest and get them the victory. And on the night... You know, they did get the victory. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, if they had Billy Sharp up front, they'd probably have, um, yeah, it wouldn't have gone to penalties. Yeah, yeah. Steve Cooper, my feeling at the moment is one of joy. I'm really pleased for the club and the players to get to the next step, but nothing is completed. You need a lot to get through these semi-finals. You need to play well and stuff and have a bit of luck. At times we haven't played so good, but I've never seen teams be outstanding over two legs in the playoffs. So I'm not ashamed of that one bit. The most important thing is that we're through. Now, the other thing is that um, in the little bits of uh, post-match stuff that we caught on Radio Nottingham when we were walking back to the car, they did also, um, they interviewed Ryan Yates. Mm. And what's really clear, we were talking about it before the match. One of the great things is that when they interview players like Worrell and Yates, they're talking like fans. Mm. And here, Yates, he was talking much more like a player. Yeah. Um, because he was having that thing of, you know what? Yeah, it's a great night, but we haven't done anything yet. Yeah. We haven't done anything yet. We want to go and we want to go to Wembley and save education and do the job there. Yeah. He didn't say, use those precise words, but that was his sentiment. Yeah, yeah. and and it is, yeah, it's it's not it's it's not the end of this. It's it's we've still got one more game to play, um, a game who against a team that has beaten us and also likes pressing and stifling the opponents, uh, which we've shown is something we're vulnerable against. Well, that's a nice cheery thing to think about, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but um, also. We've also played played Huddersfield and outplayed them as well. So it's it's going to be an interesting one. Look, at the risk of stating the blooming obvious, Huddersfield finished above us in the league um, and have been in good form. Sheffield United finished just below us in the league and have been in good form. Isn't None of these are going to be easy no. games, are they? So it's going to be a tough bit out, out, out of the three, Huddersfield will be the one that I'd want to, to face at, at Wembley as well. 
Okay, right. So I want to say a very big thank you to to you, Baz, um, for providing a bit of raw analysis as i say you can hear from our voices that um it's it's we're, we're fresh back from the ground um and you know it's going to be a bit weird going back to work tomorrow <laughs> um we want to say thank you to you listener for joining us and i also want to say a big thank you to steve cooper and the players when i'm with you baby i do out of my Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.